wow. That, I mean, what I'm saying is it's just God's honor. Uh, and, uh, you know, the way uh, he has treated us over there, it was very, 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 you know, they paid for our entire trip from that to Merce- having a Mercedes Benz. Just imagine that. So I'm like, okay, God, this is, this is just your, uh, you helping us in this. And uh, um, I'm thankful for World Vision. And honestly, they, you know, when I was there, you know, a lot of their leaders uh, came to me and they're like, you know, uh, we heard that your church hosted World Vision. You know, how many of you remember that we had Pastor Peter with us for World Vision? We, we are supporting three of our, uh, the church is supporting three uh, two or three of our, or two, two of their uh, children um, and, uh, in India. And uh, it's a great privilege that we as a church family get to do something that is beyond our capacity. May the Lord continue to bless. Uh, God bless you. May the Lord continue to bless and help us in every aspect of our life. And after that, um, we were in L.A. for uh, one day. And L.A. was, again, a beautiful place. Um, and the pastor saw me preach in Malayalam you know, at our church. And he said, Pastor Justin, we have a Malayalam service. Then we have an English service. We want you to speak at our Malayalam service. And I said, okay, I can do that. And I can pre- speak in English. Please, somebody help me translate. He said, no, I, I saw you speak in Malayalam at your church. And you're going to speak in Malayalam. I'm like, no, that's not happening. I don't want to put myself in a suicidal position, you know, like speaking in Malayalam completely. I'm like, no, no, it's not happening. But he's like, no, Pastor, you can go. But I don't know what happened for the next 40 minutes. I spoke in good Malayalam. <laughs> I don't know if they understood me. I don't know if they understood me or not. But I spoke for 40 minutes. And after 40 minutes, I opened my eyes. Everybody were happy. So that's good. <laughs> Thank you. Zion Church has been teaching me Malayalam too. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, yesterday night, we had a beautiful time with God's uh, children here for our church's annual business meeting. This year, we have termed, we have named our, our year as an year of expansion. And I want in every aspect of our, of our services, of our personal life, of our engagements in the community, to be a place where we expand beyond what God has led us. Last Wednesday, some of us were gathered in this room and we were having our Wednesday night prayer. And as we were gathered for our Wednesday night prayer, that's when it kind of struck me because I was reading uh, the, the report that Thomas Kudyankal had sent me. And it was like, we started our church in the year 2000. I'm like, okay, this is 2020, which means that it is 20 years of Zion Church's existence. And honestly, I I could tell that I've been part of our church for the last three and a half years. I've seen the ups and downs of three and a half years, but also in the last 17 plus or 20 years, I know the, the founding uh, leaders of our church uh, and also the members who joined together to spearhead a movement 20 years ago. Did you even think that we will be here at this place 20 years later? No. At this place that God has provided miraculously that we don't have to pay mortgage to this building. It was just, you know, gifted to us. What a great privilege. A lot of churches in our city doesn't have this facility at all. And they are packing up morning and, you know, packing in and packing out for their Sunday services. We have this privilege to sit here in a beautiful sanctuary, but we are not satisfied with this. Are you with me? We're not satisfied for this. 2020 will be an year of moving out of this location in Jesus' name. By every mean, I declare it on the third Sunday of 2020. The third Sunday of 2020, that this year will be an year. If God shows a property, we are just getting into that property. If not, we are ready to bring our shovel and break the ground right here. We're going to build it. Come on. Are you all with me, church? Can I have some witnesses in this house? Hallelujah. 
We want to see in every aspect and walk of life that God is going to lead us into a next level, next level. And I need the support of everybody. Yesterday's report was so beautiful. We have four generations in our church. I see 86-year-old Opachin and also one-and-a-half-year-old baby Michael, who is probably watching live stream right now. But wherever they are, wherever our families are, in that wide age group, it's very hard to bring everybody together. But I'm, I'm, I'm here to declare that we need to be a church where we respect people, love each other, the way how Christ has loved his church. Nobody is perfect, never going to be perfect. We are imperfect people worshiping a perfect God. That is the beauty of New Testament church. For the next three weeks, you know, uh, for the year 2020, God has asked me as we start on a journey to, uh, with a sermon series titled as different. The word is different. And for the next three weeks, I want to bring our uh, study into this aspect. And it is going to be a study from First Peter. The book of First Peter is a beautiful scripture uh, portion that we see. And if I could ask you this question, who wrote First Peter? Who wrote First Peter? Huh? Is it Peter? So Peter wrote to Peter, right? Okay, good, good, good. You're a good. Be careful, okay? Whatever you answer, because we are on live stream. So many people are watching us. It it makes me so nervous when you all, you all don't answer me too. Um, so we are going to study on First Peter. My request to our church is, as we get into this study, I want you all to go back homes and also study through this. And somebody, you know, last year, uh, somebody told me, Pastor Justin, you did a study on the book of James and it has helped us because while you were teaching, we were also studying at home. We were also looking through the scriptures. So what I'm going to do in our English service, whenever I get to, you know, we are speaking here or whoever speaks, I'm going to ask them to ask. We go into book studies and this year we want to start with First Peter and it helps us to understand how you could be different. Christian walk has always asked us to be a different personality. I'll tell you something. When the early Christian movement started in, in Kerala, India, where majority of our families are, we have some families from outside of that location too. But when the Christian movement or Pentecostal movement started in Kerala, it was the identity that they had to be separated from the rest of the audience. So there were the rest of the mainline churches, the, the XYZ. I don't want to name anybody to hurt anybody's sentiments here. But you know they had to separate themselves in an identity, create themselves an identity. And what they did was, and I understand by their practices that they had it, the dress code, they had the way of appearance and the talk and the language and everything changed about the early Pentecostal movement leaders who started, you know, and initiated a movement uh, in, in Kerala or South India, basically. When Peter is writing this letter of First Peter, you know, when we read through First Peter chapter 1, we come to an understanding, Peter is actually writing this, this letter to every disciple, every Christian who are scattered in different parts of the world. And before I get into that word, I want to stand on the word different and read a scripture portion here from Numbers chapter 14, verse 24. Numbers chapter 14, verse 24. And, and in Numbers chapter 14 is a beautiful character. Uh, this is, you know, I just want to use the scripture because it talks about, about a person who had a different spirit. And the person's name is Caleb. Caleb was a man, it talks about, but because my servant Caleb had a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit him. 
Are you understanding? So here in this story, entire, I'm not going in detail because that's not where I want to camp today. I'm going to get into First Peter as quick as possible. But here it talks about my servant Caleb had a different spirit. So the mark of a Christian is how different you are. The mark of a child of God is not how cookie cutter, you know, you look like anybody else. No, you don't want to replicate people here. You want to replicate who Christ is. And every individual here is different. Your personality is different. You're wired different. Come on, somebody. My house, you know, I have three people right now. My son, Josiah, is way too different than both of us, Anisha and I. Anisha is way too different than I. But it's three different personalities function together in our house. In a church, we have 100, 200 people. And it is different personalities working together. But even though you are different in your identities, how could you be made together in the perfection of Christ Jesus? Are you with me? Listen to this very carefully. But because my servant Caleb had a different spirit, he and followed me wholeheartedly. He was an individual with a different spirit. What it means is that he doesn't want to go with the quotient code. He doesn't want to fill in the gap. He doesn't want to go with the, the majority, whatever, whatever they were saying. The majority could be saying whatever it wants. But here I am. I surrender my life all to God. And I made a decision to follow him wholeheartedly. Amen. And it begins with when you have a different spirit. Hallelujah. Before you start doing anything, you know, behind the motives, the energy that enables you to do your motives is the spirit. It's the spirit. If you have a good spirit, you do it in a beautiful way. If you have a bad spirit, you will destroy everything that has been given to you. So what spirit is in you? What zeal is pushing you to accomplish the work that God has given in your surrounding? And here in Caleb's story, we come across that Caleb is leading his people. And he come across this portion where he now has to defeat the giants to get into the land that God has promised and get into the place where God has given them. But it does not happen without a fight. Yes. Come on, somebody. For every promise, there is a fight. There is a fight. And Caleb here declares, The Lord with all my heart, I am ready to surrender with my complete good spirit. I'm here to push forward the work you have enabled me to accomplish. A good spirit that Caleb possessed. A good spirit. And I want our church to understand, let's all have a good spirit to do the work of God. One person can drive thousand. Two? How many? It doesn't add up. One plus one, ten thousand? It doesn't add up. But that's how God does it. When two people with a good spirit unite together for the work of the God. Oh, come on, somebody. There is no limitation, no opposition that can ever stand against what God wants to initiate in this generation. And I am here to declare, I want some of us to stand up to fan the flame of revival in our generation. Hallelujah. 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 Caleb was a man with different spirit. Let's get into 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 1. It, say, it talks about this letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, uh, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Biblical terms, there is no right way of pronunciation. Whatever you pronounce is the right way, okay? 
I'll just put it out there. So 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 1 talks about the author of Peter. The author of 1 Peter is Peter himself. But whom is he writing to? He is writing to a group of people who are living as, what's the word? Who are living as foreigners. Living as foreigners. How many of you all are U.S. citizens here? Amen. I'm just Rachel. It's okay. It's okay. I am not. So how many of you? I'm, I'm, I mean, it's good. It's for good. How many of you are born and raised here? Y'all born and raised here. So it's U.S. citizens, right? Confused? Like ABC, the American born, confused, they see. <laughs> we have the privilege of being a lot of us in this country that we are the citizens of this country. So we gave up the citizenship of another, another country. Somebody like me who has green card, anybody green card holders? You are legal resident, legal alien, whatever term they give us. You are in this country. You can work, you can earn as long as you pay taxes. You can enjoy the benefits as long as you give them what they need as well. You are a legal alien resident of this, of this country. First Peter here talks about a beautiful portion, and many of your Bibles, you would see probably the word uh, exiles, sojourners, aliens, strangers. You would see these as some of the words that uh, uh, Peter is mentioning about the Christians who are scattered as foreigners in these different parts of the land around Jerusalem. Why were they scattered? Just the backdrop of the story. Peter is writing to a group of people who are exiled or a people of, group of people who ran away from Israel, Jerusalem. The reason is because of persecution. Who, who was the king at that time? Nero. As Emperor Nero, he was the most sickest king ever to rule Rome. The, the, the most corruptest king to rule Rome ever in their history. This guy was so mad that he wanted to burn everything and start rebuilding. The only thing, an agenda, historians help us to understand is that this guy was fascinated about building. So they didn't have enough properties to build on. So what they did was, what he did was, he burnt their you know, buildings and started rebuilding again. This was an ongoing quest that Nero brought in. And because the, the Senate over there, you know, argued and, and wanted to kick him out of the throne, you know, he blamed the Christian, the new Christian converts, the Christian brothers and sisters. He blamed them saying that, you know, it was these Christians who has burnt Rome. Guess what he did and his people did. They waxed the body of every Christian, tied them up on trees and light them up, fire, put fire on them and lighted up the night sky as he enjoyed lavish parties. This was how brutally he murdered the early Christians. He also took Christians and he covered them up with, you know, animal skin and put them up for the stray dogs. And so how these stray dogs, you know, devolved the, the body of these new Christians. It was a cruel persecution, cruel persecution. Listen to this very carefully. The church has always been persecuted from the very beginning always been persecuted. Right now, we enjoy the community that we have, that we can sing and worship God. I know almost 350 churches that were shut down in Uttar Pradesh in a couple of months. And uh, 
Brother Jijo's brother, he's pastoring in, in Kanpur. He's pastoring in Kanpur. I know the struggle that they are facing in North India. I know the struggle some of our missionaries are going through in China. Some of the struggles our families are going through in the most persecuted parts of the world. We are privileged to be here, but we have our own kind of persecution. But do, do remember those who are going through this suffering. Peter writes this letter to this group of people, this group of people who are exiled, who ran away in fear. They were afraid of the situations that they're going through and they ran away. And the word that Peter uses to these group of people are that, you know, you are chosen people who are living as foreigners. Living as foreigners. My word that I want to bring your attention towards, as I've already given you the backdrop of the story here, is that each of us as a Christian in this world will live as a life of a foreigner. Let that sink in for a while. Because when you travel through, I mean, you, some, there are some people who, who pass through countries. When we go to India, if we have a layover of five hours in Dubai or, or in uh, uh, UK or someplace, what do you do? You, do you buy everything that you see in the airport? No, do you buy, oh, it's duty free. Let me get hold of everything. No, you don't do it. What do you do? You are just passing through. You're just journeying through. Hallelujah. Last week I was in, uh, I was in LA and uh, the, Anisha is not here so I can, don't tell her later, okay? Sometimes some places you cannot take the ladies for shopping. Our baggage capacity. <laughs> some places, some places. You know, and if you're flying spirit, they tax you even for the oxygen you breathe. <laughs> and and you, you already have a limited capacity of baggage that you can take and you come back, right? And then you go to this exotic or whatever, you know, only found in Los Angeles kind of a shop where you, see, you allow ladies to go in there, every senses open up. It's like, you know, you allow a child to go into a toy shop, right? And every sense is open. I'm like, wow, this is found only in California. I want that, this, th I'm like, no, we don't have the capacity. No, no, we will find ways to put it. Some places we are only journeying through, journeying through. Peter helps us to understand that we as Christians living in this world, we are journeying through. As we journey through, what are the things we possess? What are the things we are holding on to? Of course, God will give us the vineyards you did not plant, the houses you did not build, all the wells, the waters you never dug. God will bless you with all of that. But hey, do not hold on to those things. You are passing by. As a life of a Christian, when we are passing by, the more you get hold on to things, the more weight it adds you to get into the next level. Are you with me? I can hold on to baggages in my life because I have a direction. I have a goal where I need to get going to. And if my eyesight is focused on my goal, I don't get hold of any baggages. I have a goal that I need to reach Amen. out to. Are you with me, church? Peter's call for New Testament church is that a church that is different from everybody else. When everybody else, the only agenda in their life is to make money, be happy, enjoy the lavishness of life. But a Christian's life is whatever God gives. It's all glory to God. Thank you, Jesus, for the every blessing you're pouring. But nothing of this will be a baggage in my life. 
But what has happened to our Christians today? Oh, I want this message to convict us. What has happened to a lot of our Christians today? That we are holding on to a lot of baggages which is not allowing us to get going anywhere. As a child of God, my message on the third Sunday of 2020 is Christians, let us be different. As a child of God, let us be different. It's a call for us as a New Testament church to be different. Leave what is hindering us. Leave what is not allowing us to move forward and move forward in the direction God wants to take us being different. We are foreigners. Understand the word. You know, when you are traveling as a foreigner, you cannot buy a property in that land. A foreigner, I have in my, a foreigner doesn't settle down. If you're passing by, a foreigner never settles down in any other country unless he's allowed to stay there. He doesn't settle down. He goes, he prepares, he does his work and he gets out of that place. Hallelujah. I mean, I'm, I love calling Dallas is my home because Dallas reminds me of Bangalore in a lot of ways. Dallas reminds me the people, the culture around. It reminds me of how Bangalore is where I grew up. So Dallas reminds me of Bangalore. Wherever now I go for ministry, um, whatever beautiful place, palatial homes, wherever I stay, but I love coming back to Dallas. Why? Because Dallas reminds me of my home. It's my family. Last week when I was ministering God, uh, ministering for God, you know, at the LA church, you know, uh, I'm thankful that I was with, a, you know, another body of believers, uh, church believers in another city, but I was longing to be with our church here. Why? Because there is a connection here. This is my home church. Are you with me? This is my home church. There are families who have told me, Pastor Justin, you know, wherever we go, whatever we do, but we want to come back here. Why? Because this is my home church. This is my, Dallas is my home. And there's a special feeling when we get back home. And that is the feeling Peter is addressing and talking about. That we are just journeying through this world. We are not anybody of citizens of this world. We have another identity. Whose identity we belong to? Jesus, the kingdom of heaven. As we look into that portion, First Peter chapter 1 verse 1, who are living as foreigners in the provinces, provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Number two that I will mention is, I will always be a foreigner in this world. My identity not, never changes. In this world, as long as I get to breathe, in this world, as long as I get to live, I live a life of a foreigner. I live a life of a foreigner because I don't belong here. I belong to something else much more greater. I belong to Christ Jesus. Heaven is my reward. I belong to Jesus. What does it mean if I ask this question? What does it mean? I belong to Jesus. I am just waiting to die. No, 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 no. You are living in Christ Jesus. What it means is you are living your best life with Jesus right now, right here. But if death separates you from your mortal body, you will be one with Christ Jesus in heaven. That is the blessed of a Christian church. Amen. That is the blessed hope. I am just traveling through. I am just traveling through. One day this body will decompose and be you know, mixed with the soil, the sand, where it has come from. But my soul earns. My soul longs 
to be with God Almighty. The blessed hope of a Christian life, Peter is talking to persecuted Christians. Today, as I'm bringing your attention, the first part of today's message is how we are different, how we have different faith in trials. How can we be different, in, uh, uh, have a different faith in, in the seasons of trial? First Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. As we read that, First Peter chapter 6, verse, verse one, uh, 6 and 7, 1, 6 and 7. So be truly glad there is a wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. What's the word? Your faith is genuine. Trials help us know that your faith is genuine. If a faith is not tested, it's not, it can be trusted. And I'm not talking to us about a faith as in, it is the, the faith that is about, talks about, um, what's the right word? Maybe the religion. I'm not talking to you about religion as faith. I'm talking to you about the faith that we have in Christ Jesus, in the, in the most special person in your life. Amen. If you love your husband, has your husband's faith been tested? And you probably trust your husband because you have, or you have seen the testings of life that has allowed you to trust your partner for life. Are you with me? Don't just marry anybody if you don't trust that person. Put some testings in his life, her life. I'm just kidding, just going. <laughs> First Peter chapter 1 verse 6 and 7. Peter is helping the New Testament church, the persecuted church, Understand the basic simple logic here that these trials will show that your faith is genuine. The word there is genuine. So my understanding is if there are genuine notes, there would be counterfeit notes too. If there is genuine faith, there could be false or fake faith as well. Are you with me? If there is something that is genuine, there could be something which is fake are you with me? Listen to this very carefully as we are diving into this entire scripture. If there is something that is genuine, then there's of course there's something that is fake. And I know under my voice, not everybody is genuine today. Let this hit us very hard in our lives so that it convicts us, us as a Christian, as a child of God. The call of Peter to the New Testament church is that we become a church, a child of God who is genuine, whose faith has been tested. Hallelujah. If somebody tests your faith, you show your true colors to them. Praise the Lord. Somebody made this argument in Malayalam. It just, I'm just uh, uh, thinking about it as I'm preaching right now. And it, the brother said, I'm going to say it in Malayalam. He said, I'm That's why I have a feeling that when people give baptism, they should keep them under the water for at least three minutes. I'm not going to do that. Please don't tell our friend who is getting baptized next week. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. But what I'm suggesting is a faith that is tested endures and it is genuine. God is looking for a genuine heart, not a fake heart. How do you identify? Let me just quickly get into how do you identify fake or false faith? How do you identify false faith? If these are some of the things that you might see in your life, you got to change it today. 2020 is a new year. We start with a new direction. 
new guidance from God, we are going to be different in every aspect of our church life. Number one, if you are somebody who talks always about your inherited faith, who are these people who talks about inherited faith? They are people who are born and raised in a Pentecostal church. Born and raised and talks about, you know what? My Apachan was a pastor. My Amachi was a prayer warrior. For 20, 30 years, I have been doing all of this. No, that is inherited faith. Is that your faith? No. Change it today. I don't want to hear the baggage and the stories you talk about your grandparents. No. Faith is your personal. It's not family. It's not everybody else's baggage that you hold on to for lifetime. No. You're creating a barrier for God to work in your life because of the barriers you are bringing in. My opportunity, no, yeah, your opportunity was a good believer. He is, might be with Jesus. Are you? Are you? Are you with me, church? Oh, I'm in your business today. Inherited faith. Inherited faith, number one. Number two, shallow faith. Jesus, in his uh, uh, parables, he talks about a sower who had seeds to sow. And Jesus helps us to understand the sower had many seeds. And what he did? He started scattering the seeds. Some of the seeds fell among rocky ground. What happened? When the sunlight came, it drew, grew, it, it, it sprung up, started growing. But because the roots were not deep enough, what happened? Huh? It withered, it died. It faded away. Why? That's where you call it a shallow faith. Oh, these are the kind of people you see them for fasting prayer. Hallelujah, Lord, I want you. Oh, I need you. Was it on good tone? Okay, for every breakthrough services, fasting prayer, these group of people, just because you sing in Anya Basha does not mean your roots are strong. Got to identify something as I was reading through this portion. Don't identify somebody as a Christian just because of their gifts. Just because I have a big gift. I am not greater by anybody else. But my life, it could be as simple as a small fruit. Christian walk and Christian life is identify, identified by the fruits they produce, not by the gifts. Amen. Are you with me? Listen to this very carefully. I don't want to go behind a prophet just because he had a great gifting. Not behind a pastor because he's a great gifted speaker. No, I don't want to do that. Does he showcase some fruits in his life? How do you produce fruits? Only if you have roots that go deep enough. The call of First Peter to the New Testament church is a call to grow our roots deeper. 2020. It's a year of being different in God's presence. Amen. I'm requesting churches, families, as this year goes on, Father, help us. Let our roots go, grow deeper in your word. Amen. Let our roots grow deeper, O oh Lord, that we showcase Amen. the fruits of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Father God, help us. In every conversation, I will show love not hatredness. Father God, in every conversation, when people need love, they need love, not word of prophecy. Not two words of Anyabasha there. All that is good. But what they need at that, moment, at that moment is a hand that helps them. Is that a word that sustains their life? Your fruits. Your fruits are very important. That is the second kind of people that you identify 
I, I want to see, look into our church today. Father God, let this be an year where everybody here will display the fruits of your spirit in our churches, in every ministry that we do. In our church today, I'm so thankful that there is a group of people, a team that works hard for ICPF, Tamil ministry, ladies ministry. There are different ministry areas that God has already given us. There's the, the Hindi ministry that we will definitely will get into starting that. Other ministry areas where God leads us. And I pray for Pastor Prince too for the African ministry. I pray. But in all of that, Lord, help us that through our life, that the fruits of the Spirit be evident. Help us, O oh Lord. We grow Amen. deeper and deeper. Not a shallow believer. Thirdly, it talks about the conditional faith. This is a group of people who are like, God, if you do that, I will trust in you. When everything goes good, oh, come on, somebody. I have full trust in God. But if something goes wrong, you will never see that person in church again. Oh, come on. You know, I've been in a church for many years, pastoring from a young, young. Now, you know, when I first stood to preach, maybe I was nine, 10 years old, involved in pastoral ministry at a very young age. And I have seen hundreds of people coming to Jesus Christ. And also at the same time, hundreds of people who walked away from church. I have seen both the spectrum, very clear and evident. There are a group of people who, had, who used to come to our church, who comes to our church, generally, in, I'm talking about Bangalore, India, where they came to our church just because God healed them, God saved them, God gave them something wonderful, healed them from their sickness, demons ran away, and all that is good. But when the next problem comes, if they are not strong and the roots are not deep enough, they run away. It's conditional faith. Just because God did not answer your prayer, if your faith value changes, you're not a true Christian. Amen. I don't, it doesn't matter. If sickness or death comes to my life, I still trust God Almighty. Yeah. That is where your faith is tested. Yeah. Now today I'm, I'm going to ask you, let your faith be tested. Let your faith be tested. There are going to be moments of fear. Yesterday night was a moment of fear in my heart. Most of you all might know. We had a business meeting, Anisha was taken. I'm so thankful for, you know. I mean, I'm also understanding, if you ever fall sick, fall sick at church. We have a team of people, <laughs> doctors, NP, nurses, and also people who are right now, pharmacy, and everybody is under this roof. Oh, come on. That's a, can we actually put our hands together for the team of nurses? Well, everybody, everybody, everybody. A good God bless you. We have doctors in the house. Thank you so much. May the Lord continue to bless you with that. But yesterday was a moment of fear as we were leading the business meeting. Our brothers told me, Pastor Justin, we are with you. Don't worry. Everything is under control. We'll let you know. Don't worry. And then she was taken to the ER and everything is good with her. But it's a moment of fear. But I declare, nothing in this world will ever test and find us failed in the faith that we have in Christ Jesus. And that is a lesson to all of us. No matter what goes wrong, nothing is wrong in the sight of God Almighty. No matter what situation changes, there is nothing that can ever snatch you away from the plans and purposes of God Almighty. His plan prospers in your life. Are you a Christian that is having conditional faith? Remove that conditions. God, I want to just worship you no matter what it is. No matter what my circumstance, no matter what my situation is, I'm, you know, people may surround me with worship or not, but I'm going to just worship you. My identity is God, I want to just worship you. I just want to worship you. When I come to the house of God, Father God, I don't care about people with me or not, but I'm here to celebrate what you have done in my life. 
It's not based on any conditions. Every conditions is removed away. My husband does not worship. It doesn't matter, but I'm going to worship. Praise the Lord. My kids doesn't worship. It doesn't matter. You worship, everybody else will join in your team. My faith is not conditional. How does God use your, con- or your trials? How does God use your trials? Number one, trials reveal your faith. Trials reveal your faith. First Peter chapter 1 verse 7. I know this, you can read that. First Peter chapter 1 verse 7 talks about these trials will show that your faith is genuine. Luke chapter 22 verse 31 to 30, uh, 31 and 32. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. What a beautiful scripture. Whom is he talking about? He's talking about Peter, the author of First Peter. Peter's life, you know, when you talk about Peter, what do you understand about Peter? Peter was an unschooled guy, right? Quick to anger. He was like the, uh, the gunda of Jesus' clan, you know? Like the, 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 the thug in, in, among Jesus' disciples. Like you say anything that Peter doesn't like, he will make sure that you will never hear him again. Cut your ears off. That's, that's how Peter was. So when we read through Peter or Peter's life, the images that come to our mind or the images, if you have watched Jesus' movie, the old, you know, ugly looking, rugged fisherman, business guy, who were probably smelly because of all the fishes that he was handling. That's some of the images that come to our mind. But when you read through First Peter, you have to also understand a guy who probably was unschooled, a guy who did not have much theological background, but he's dealing with really some, uh, you know, core theological foundations of the New Testament church here. He's talking about predestination. He's talking about the elected. He's talking about the, blood, the value of the blood of Christ. When we talk about that, we understand here, now God in the Bible taught what, you know, Jesus in the Bible thought what Peter would be doing after he has left and departed the world. And that's why it talks about in Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and 32, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you away like wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon. Oh, come on. You know, that word encourages me as a believer, as a child of God. Because it talks about Jesus, the author of life who has prayed for Peter. And you know what Bible helps us to understand here? God knew that Peter would turn her back and, and be an instrument of God's word for the New Testament church. And that's why he talks about, you know, when you come back, strengthen your brothers. But Peter, you cannot strengthen your brothers. If you are sifted away like wheat. But I prayed for you. It's like, Peter, I got your back. I got your back. I prayed for you. Yes, of course, the demon and the evil spirit wanted to take you out. But I got your back. I prayed for you. That your faith is tested. Peter's faith was tested. Even the little girl. Eight years old, who came and asked Jesus, do you know Jesus? Peter said, Jesus, I have no idea about what you're talking about. 
How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. And one of the time he denied Jesus in front of an eight-year-old. Eight-year-old. Guess, guess what the lifestyle of Peter was. He was scared. His faith was tested. But Jesus came back for him again. The beauty of New Testament church is you will fail, you will fall down, but that's where His grace is sufficient in my weakness. He strengthens me when I am weak. Let all the weak say, I am strong in Christ Jesus. Come on somebody. The blessed opportunity that we have is that when we gather in God's house, when we gather in God's house to declare to God, Lord, I am weak. You know who are the most stronger people? People who know they are weak. People who know what their weaknesses in life is. And so when you declare God in God's presence, God, these are the areas where I'm struggling. These are the areas of my weakness. I want your grace to help me, O oh Lord. I want your strength to strengthen me in my weakness, O oh Lord. You know what? In your inability, He steps in. He strengthens you. Trials, number one, reveal your faith. It reveals your true identity in Christ. Number two, trials draw you closer to God. Trials draw you closer to God. I want to read the scripture, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. The worship team can be behind me right now. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 and 9 talks about you love even though you have never seen Him. Though you do not see Him now, you trust Him and you rejoice with a glorious inexpressible joy the reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls the salvation of our soul what it simply means is trials draw us closer to god i know there are a lot of lot of lot of christians in in new testament uh in in our in our day and age who are murdered persecuted i know pastors and their families who are raped murdered killed Churches burnt alive, family members destroyed. Many years ago, um, in my church, we had, a, we had a Telugu service. Telugu is the language of the people from Andhra Pradesh. We had a Telugu service. We started this service and uh, there was a wonderful brother who was leading it. That Sunday, we were supposed to go help him out with that, but we could not. And the brother was leading the service. A group of you know, uh, people just barged into uh, the, the worship service. There are 35 newly um, accepted, you know, Christian followers, Christ followers in that fellowship. They beat up everybody, old, young women, everybody beat up. Burned down the pastor's vehicle. Beat up the pastor so badly that on his way back to our church, he came almost naked. And I was probably 13 years old, 13 or 14 years old. It broke my heart. It broke my heart. This was not a normal, uneducated kind of a person. He was, a, he was an officer in, in, in the military. He was also serving God on weekends. He was, he was, he was beaten so badly, badly that I saw wounds all over. Blood gushing out of his wounds. It broke my heart as a child at that point when I looked up the servant. I took cotton. My mom, who was a, uh, a nurse, she helped me and we were together and we took some cotton. We were, you know, binding up his wounds and we called, took him to the hospital and born is on our way. Something that that man mentioned, I will never forget. Something that that pastor mentioned, I will never forget. He quoted from the New Testament. He said, 
be it death or life, I have decided to follow Christ. No matter what comes in my life, no matter what comes in my life, my persecution and my struggle help me to become who I am in Christ Jesus. When trials come, my friends, it draws you closer to God. You may not go through a trial of such kind that I just mentioned right now, but you might go through trials of different kinds when you are in school, your college, your workspace. It's okay that you are just by yourself as a child of God. Be different. Show who you are in Christ Jesus. Show who you are in Christ Jesus. Trials draw us closer to God. As a Christian, us coming to church for two hours, three hours, our worship, it should be a place where we come closer to God. Under my voice, no matter where you are, I'm asking our church today to make a commitment. Lord, this year in 2020, I want to be different. I want to come closer to you. No matter what, where we are. If you are a young family like me, I want to ask you, our foundation should be Jesus. We can get busy in life. We can get a lot busy and carried away in life. But help us, O oh Lord, that Father, we build our family on the foundation, the rock of ages, who never changes. This year, families, it's my call on the third Sunday of 2020. I'm repeating, third Sunday of 2020. Lord, help us. We come closer to you. Amen. The goal of our Christian walk is, Lord, help us. We, every single moment that we have in our life, we want to come closer to you. The identity of our life is how different you are from everybody else. You have a different spirit. You worship differently. You have a different aroma around you. Why? Because you are carrying the living presence of the Almighty God. Can we rise up in God's house? Let's all rise up under my voice. Everybody, no matter where you are, let's rise up in God's house. Lift Him up in this room and ask the Lord, Lord, we pray, we ask, Lord, that during trials, where Father, we pray, it will produce our faith and trials will draw us closer, draw us closer to God.